Hey, Mark. Yes, Dennis. Would you get medical advice by watching one of those god-awful doctor TV shows? You mean I shouldn't be? No, you probably shouldn't. Then no? No. And you probably shouldn't get your legal advice from a podcast either. Never. Never. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. Hey, Mark. Hi, Dennis. It's been a while. It's been, I think, about a month since we recorded. It's been about a month. Now, our listeners might not necessarily notice the gap because we pre-recorded a whole bunch of, you know, filler. Yeah, filler. <laughs> well, it's funny because now people are like, oh, well, I want to talk about this last episode. And yeah, and I'm like, I don't remember what we talked about anymore because it was a month ago. Yeah, I, I, I was, just set them all to just go out automatically. I, and I was asked about a case that uh, apparently we talked about a while back and I had no recollection of we it whatsoever. We are just demonstrating that we are really strong with the short term, not the long term memory. <laughs> so, so totally true. Um Especially when you pack in like a whole bunch of episodes in just a couple days, like we did when we recorded, they all blur. Right. They all they all blend together. And then we both traveled. Right. We traveled to Europe for a couple of weeks and I was in New York and I started a new job. Yeah. Since a few we recorded. Have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been a little busy, a little hectic, and here we are. Uh now I wouldn't say scrambling, but we are here recording only about 36 to 48 hours before this episode will air. So this will be much more timely. And maybe we'll actually remember what we talked about when people ask us about it. There's a slim chance. I now know people who are going back and listening to the back catalog. And when they're talking about stuff that we did like six months ago, it could may as well be somebody else's podcast. I don't know. I don't remember any of that. Fair, right? Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, so, it's really hot out. Yeah, Portland is starting to experience a summer heat wave. So we get a few of them every year. Yeah, now it's a dry heat here. It's not usually a super humid heat. No. It's you know, I was even in New York last weekend when I was there. I mean, it wasn't ridiculously hot or anything, but the humidity, even when it's not that hot, you just feel like you hit a wall. Oh yeah, when you walk icky. outside, we don't have that here very often. No, it's rare, almost at all. But it that it, it, it's like a dry heat. Not uh, again. We don't really have anything to complain about. It's, it's not, not Phoenix. It's not Phoenix heat. No, <laughs> um, but we could hit a hundred tomorrow. Is we could hit a hundred. We're gonna hit ninety something today. Yeah, we hit ninety something the last several days. It's you know. It's just warm, and we're we, also not. We really didn't move built, here for that. We're not we? built for it. Yeah, you know, like we don't have the same. Well, you, air you, I mean, you, you. Oh, built for it. Like I thought you meant like, like our bodies were wise. not built for it. Yeah, no infrastructure. No, like, Oregonians have evolved to thrive in, in cooler, weather. overcast, cloudy conditions. Right, and you being a native, right, that applies to you. Me yeah. not being a native, I just prefer it that way a lot of the time. <sighs> yeah. But we do have the best summers here. But one of the things that happens when it's hot that's just awesome is that everybody, like, sheds all their clothing and starts to dress scantily. Uh, that can be good. It's great. You know why? Um, <laughs> it makes our it makes our clients start to think about their dress codes. Oh, right. Because we're labor and employment. 
yeah, podcast. What, what, dude, what were you thinking? Oh, I just I just know you like to leer at people. Mind out of the gutter, Mark. I know you like to leer this at is, people. This is a serious and professional podcast. Uh-huh. So <laughs> uh-huh. that made me start to think about dress codes. Oh, interesting. And I did some research, and I found a couple really interesting dress code cases I want to talk about. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I think they're fun cases. Now, one of them is not a scantily clad case. Okay. it's But, you know, hot weather, one of the things we often wear when it's hot. I'm wearing one. You're wearing one. T-shirts. Oh, I thought you were going to say thong. Well, that too. But in this case, I'm really thinking about T-shirts because they're... You know, unless you bend over, they're more visible than thongs. That is true. Though I will say at my former employer, I did see my fair share of thongs. I had a thong case. Did you? Yeah. I don't know that we've talked about that before. It was a thong and wedgie case. (laughs) Is that that like the legal claim? A thong and wedgie tort? (laughs) This wasn't on my agenda. But, but people want to know what's going on. It was a harassment case. The alleged harassment was that a male manager grabbed the thong underwear of a female employee and pulled on it. Oh, that's a good idea. At a drunken party, a drunken holiday party. Oh, that's also a good idea. Which, as you and I know, and our listeners who have been with us a while all know, that's where the best things happen. So, according to the employee and a large handful of witnesses, the male manager grabbed her by her jeans and thong underwear, one in each hand, jeans and one underwear in the other, picked her up off the ground and proceeded to carry her throughout the banquet room, making airplane noises and going vroom, vroom and flying her about as though she were an airplane. Um, Over her objections, I assume. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was alleged. Um, but there were other witnesses, I assume. Well, there was one and that was the manager. Oh, <laughs> there was a disparity in the number of witnesses on, each side of the accounts here. But the manager's account was that he noticed her shirt was riding up and that that displayed her lower back tattoo, which he felt was inappropriate and thus thought it was important to help her out by pulling up her pants to cover her lower back tattoo. And that just, you know... He happened to grab a little thong in the process and pulled up on that, thus delivering the wedgie. So whether it was a simple, inadvertent, unintended, well-meaning wedgie or a full-blown atomic pick-you-up-and-fly-you-about-the-room wedgie, that was the source of debate. And ultimately, the case settled. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) It was an interesting case. But that's – anyway, that was an aside – um, I got a couple cases I want to talk about, and one of them has to do with T-shirts. Okay. There was a case out of the EEOC back in 2012. A black employee complained that the postmaster general, worked for the post office, let employees wear Confederate flag T-shirts to work. Ooh. 
What do you think? Well, is it okay? Keep in mind, this one was interesting because it's the federal government is telling people. Eventually, the post office did come around and say, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't wear the stars and bars at work. Um, But it took several months to get there. And the employee complained that his feelings on this matter were ignored. Excuse me. They were ignored because of racism. And that it created a hostile work environment for him to have to put up with his co-workers wearing Confederate flag t-shirts to work. Wow. So, Mark, what do you think? So, I mean, public employer here. Right. Right. Private employer, I don't think that this is going to be that hard of an inquiry, especially if there's a policy that talks about wearing offensive clothing or anything like that. Or, Right. I mean, I, I think it's, well, it's I, a fairly straightforward question when it's private. Well, I'm not sure. I think there's two questions here. Okay. One is, can a private employer, we'll get to public employer next, but can a private employer put in a dress code that says no Confederate flags? I don't see why not. I agree. Second question, if that employer doesn't, does that potentially create a racially hostile work environment for people of color? Well, I mean, it's funny. We just presented all about uh, hostile work environments for a two-hour presentation this week. Yeah, but that um, was like two days ago. That was two days ago. Like I know we forgot. We um, that was our first live, live audience uh, presentation that we've done since we started the podcast. That's true. It wasn't a podcast taping, although no. I, you know we do have a live taping coming up. We do uh, not until November, I think. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's uh, coming up, folks. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, we'll we'll start leaking we'll, out more details and we'll promote that uh, yeah. coming up. But anyway. What I would say is when it comes to a hostile work environment based on race, right, you have the the elements of it's got to be severe or pervasive. Right. Right. And so questions I would want to ask, I don't think that wearing a Confederate flag T-shirt is severe. What if it's daily? So that gets to the question of pervasiveness. What if it's many employees? That also gets to the question of pervasiveness. Right. So. It's going to the answer that's going to depend, right? And it's going to depend on whether a complaint was made and anything was done about it. Yeah. So all of those factors will come into whether that could, I mean, it could absolutely create a hostile work environment based on race if it's pervasive enough, if it happens frequently enough, if there's enough people doing it. And if, just with Confederate flags, nothing else. Nobody's using racial slurs. Nobody's leaving nooses hanging around. Nobody's, you know, doing any of that. Like, terrible stuff i think each of those other things would would move things along faster that would move the needle right it would move the needle i do think you could get there just especially if complaints are made and nothing's done about it okay i tend to agree now let's talk about public employers right now that second question is going to be the same whether it's public or private because the law is the same but the question for public employers is could they put a ban on Confederate flag symbols in the workplace. Let's assume that they would let you wear an American flag t-shirt or a Zimbabwean flag t-shirt, and that would be perfectly fine. But you come in with the stars and bars, and they tell you to take it off or go home. So it's a potential First Amendment question. Exactly. Right? And as we've talked about before on the podcast, public employees have First Amendment rights. Right. um, And the government actor employer can't violate those First Amendment rights. 
can they just have a blanket ban on it? I don't think that I would pick that out to put that in the policy specifically as opposed to other things that might be offensive. I might have a, like, we don't want offensive clothing kind right. of policy, but then that's going to be balanced against what is the purpose behind why somebody might be wearing it. And are they exercising a First Amendment right in doing so? Right. And if it's just, I, I think I could see that going either way, depending on when you ask the question, why are you wearing this? What to yeah. say? Well, here's what happened in this case it's uh, Dawson v. Donahoe. And initially, the EEOC got a hold of the case, the complaint, and they dismissed it. Interesting. And they said, no hostile work environment. They're like, come on, what are you going to tell people what they can and cannot wear on their T-shirt? That went, there was an appeal made on the dismissal. And it went up to the director of the EEOC, who then reversed it. Oh, interesting. And um, upheld the complaint. And then after that, we lose track of what happened. So I'm going to make a wild assumption that at that point, a case settled. Probably. But... Back in 2012, keep in mind, different administration, mm -hmm. the EEOC took the position that that would be something that could create a hostile work environment that the Postmaster General should have clamped down upon immediately. But they didn't get into the First Amendment question. No. Interesting. Because I'd be, you know, I, so we that, don't have enough facts right. to be able to do that analysis. Why? What was the purpose behind wearing that shirt? Yeah. Now, something that you said is, should an employer have a policy that says a you may not wear offensive T-shirts? So I would say that, that yes, you may, but that could get a little thorny on the labor side. Well, it does get a little thorny on the labor side. And here's another case. A lawyer, this is what I love about it, a guy by the name of Nathan Baker, my hero. Okay. Okay. That's a good way to start. Worked for a firm called Barnes and Thornburg in Indianapolis. And I actually pulled that back. I misread. Um, Nathan did not wear the offensive T-shirt. It's oh. Nathan who brought this case to the world's attention. Oh. Um, sorry, Nathan. If you're out there and you're listening. <laughs> you're not his hero you're, anymore. You're, you're a good guy, but you're not quite hero level. I just, the employee that wore this shirt is hero level though. Okay. Um, an employee wanted to make a point about his working condition. So he came to work with a shirt that said slave in big letters oh. with an image of a ball and chain below that okay. the employer told him to get rid of it because it violated their dress code banning offensive t-shirts right and that employee ran off to our friends at the national labor relations exactly. board who said yeah that was protected concerted activity under the national labor relations act he's trying to make a point to his co-workers the intended recipients of the message and to his employer that they, the co-workers, were not being treated in a fair manner. Absolutely. Do you think that the view of that has changed with the new administration? My guess, an educated guess is that that would change under the new administration. The one, the National Labor Relations Board has really reversed course on a lot of Obama. A lot era. of the stuff we were talking about two, three years yeah. ago is is no longer. Yeah. 
So today, if that case were in front of the board, I bet you might get a different outcome. I'd still want to know, what's his job? Is he working in a warehouse? Because if he's working in a warehouse where customers don't see him, and it's just his coworkers and his supervisor, that's different than if he's working at the front, front desk. House, yeah. And, you know, customers come in and see the word slave written on his T-shirt. Right. Right. And if there's a dress code for, for people who are out, you know, up front versus people who are in the back, you know, and unseen by customers, that could, right. be, that could make a big difference. Right. What, what about what, what, what should our listeners do from a policy perspective on this? Is it good enough, for example, to say no, no offensive clothing, right? But uh, none of this is intended to violate the Title Seven of the National Labor Relations Act. Is that good enough? You know what? My personal opinion. I, I, I've really reversed course on this. Okay. My personal opinion is that dress codes are overrated. I think you should have a dress code that's, that has two sentences. Okay. One that describes your workplace. This is a professional office environment, if that is true. The second sentence, you're expected to dress appropriately for that environment. Period. The end. I like that. What that requires, however, is that you've got managers or HR people who have the required fortitude to then go out and have some very critical conversations with people whose dress is not appropriate for that workplace. And it gets a little subjective, potentially. It does get subjective, but this is this is a subjective area. It's a coaching type of rule. Where you need to sit down with somebody and say, Mark, is having a cutoff t-shirt really appropriate for this office environment? Exposing your midriff for the world to see. Now, if you're working at Hooters, maybe that is an appropriate t-shirt. If you're working in, say, a doctor's office, that might not be. Yeah, in fact, that's fair. It's, it's almost never going to be. But... The one thing when I'm talking about subjectivity on that is not so much whether or not it meets that standard or not, but whether or not you are applying the standard evenly across all of your workforce. Well, and that gets into another case I wanted to talk about. Oh, how about that? I have more. I, I promise I do not know what the cases are. Before no, you don't. Here. So, all right, let's talk about that. So, about a year ago, a woman in Great Britain, yes, we're going international. I love it. Nicola Thorpe was sent home from her office job because she refused to wear high heels. Oh. That led to a minor scandal in Great Britain. Oh, really? 150,000 people signed an online petition asking the British government to change its position on gender-specific dress codes. Because as, here's a big surprise, there was no requirement for male employees to wear high heels at work. Shocked, that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, that would have been a great policy, though. And in... See how long men could actually do that. In, re in response to that, this was called the High Heels to Work campaign. And in response to that, the United Kingdom Government Equities Office changed its guidance on workplace dress codes. Good so for that's kind of like our version of the EEOC. Yep. So it's kind of like the EEOC coming out with new guidance. And here's what they now say. Employers should clothing requirements, such as requiring women to wear high heels or skirts to work. 
Also avoid gender-specific grooming requirements, such as that women should wear makeup, have manicured nails, or a specific hairstyle. And request to dress provocatively, such as wearing a little black dress, a short skirt, or a low-cut top, should also be avoided because that's going to lead to an increased risk of harassment by colleagues or customers. Which, in and of itself, was an interesting way to put it. They didn't say, like... Don't, it, don't, don't ask your employees to dress provocatively because that's just sexist and wrong. It was more like, oh, don't, don't tell them to dress provocatively because that will encourage harassment. Right, because men can't control themselves. Right, it's kind of like the whole, like, they, they, they just uh, put, she asked for it in their, right. in their advice. So I'm not sure I really I don't like the way they put that at all. Um, they also said that... Um, You should allow transgender employees to dress in a way that they feel matches their gender identity. You should allow your employees to be flexible when it comes to religious symbols and religious garb. And you should make reasonable adjustments for people who are disabled. So with one caveat that you and I had a little different take on, I'd say that steps forward. Far better than what it sounds like it was before. But... Neither of those cases, or none of those cases, we've talked about three, none of them address one of the issues that I see come up a lot, which is, it's hot, and I don't want to wear all these clothes at work, so I am going to come in in a little short skirt, or I am going to wear spaghetti straps, or so on and so forth. Yeah. What should employers be doing about that? Encouraging it? Mark? This is a professional podcast. (laughs) I mean, it depends on whether it meets that level of professionalism that you were talking about, right? And otherwise fits the job and the responsibilities that that individual has. Do dress codes change when the weather changes? It can. Right. So, I mean, I I mean, what you wear can change because of the weather, whether the code itself changes, you may or may not. It's up to the employer whether you would change that or not. Yeah. Say, I mean, it might be I work in a really hot place and the employer could send out an email and say, it's really hot. We know there's a heat wave the next few weeks. It's okay to wear shorts to work. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, that doesn't meet our dress code. But for the next few weeks, we're going to let you do that. But what if you've got an employee who then takes that and comes to work in their Speedo? Well, that wouldn't meet whatever other level you might have set, right? So if you set a level of professionalism, whatever level that happens to be, maybe it's okay in your workplace to wear a Speedo. And if so, go nuts. Okay, yeah, you're, you're one of those poolside bars. But, right, let's say- like, but if you're in a professional office environment, Right. And you make you make one step in a direction. That doesn't mean you have to go 10 steps. Right. How do you correct it, though? How do you have the conversation with Speedo guy saying, like, look, buddy, look, buddy, it's not professional. You're not hiding anything. We said here. we said shorts. That does not change the level of professionalism that we talk about. In what, you need to wear business you shorts. You haven't met that. Whatever it happens to be. That's what this world needs, by the way, is business shorts. I'll tell you, if there were business shorts, I would be the happiest man on earth. Yeah, I would like that too. I mean, there's there's like, you know, like polo kind of style shorts. They exist. Do you think I could wear those to the office? At your firm? Yeah. Really? What are they going to do to you? Um, I'll give you an example. So, so at my former employer, 
Um, it was a business casual dress environment. Are you talking like four peaks? Because I've been there. And no, my okay. You so, were in your speedo. Uh, well, no, most days I was yeah speedo or less when I was on my. <laughs> so I just said that to see Dennis's face, which you all can't see, but it, it worked. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, no, my prior employer okay. before my own firm. That maintained a semi-professional office. In a, in a, in, right. And it was a business casual working environment when I started there. Yeah. New CEO comes in and before he even starts, he holds an all-company meeting. And he had come from a clothing retailer um, that is uh, well-known for making jeans. Uh, okay. And at that meeting, he stood up on a chair because he was a little short. He'd stand up, and so everybody could see him. He's like, I just have one announcement I'm going to make. You know, I'm looking forward to get to know all of you. Talked for about 10 minutes about his vision for the company, right? He, this was the announcement that he would become our CEO, okay. was at this meeting. And then he said, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to say one thing right now. He's from the South. Y'all can wear denim <laughs> to the office every day. Yeah. yeah. And first of all, you would have thought that Oprah had just stood in front of us all and said, free cars. you get a car and you get a car, like you get to wear pants and you like jeans, you get to wear jeans. And you would have thought like people were jumping up on their chairs, screaming and yelling. So wow. talk about like really savvy way of coming in and ingratiating yourself to your new workforce. Oh, totally. Right. But what we started to see maybe six months later or a year later or three years later was creep on that policy. So yeah, we can wear jeans. Then some people start wearing some pretty ratty jeans, jeans with a lot of holes in them. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, there were days where I'd see thongs peeking up. Right. And it became a real challenge when we hadn't kind of held to a level of professionalism with that standard, that jeans just meant anything went. Yeah. Right. That wasn't the intent behind it. But it got there in a lot of ways. Right. And I don't seem to recall that we did anything specific about it other than if somebody seemed to go too far. Right? Now, do you have a one-off conversation with that person and take him aside and say, look, Mark, the world does not want to see it was, your fall. It was me. We know it was. Um, our listeners have figured that out already. Um, but is that the way to do it? Do you need to send a company-wide memo on you know, good genes versus bad genes? Well, I mean, I think I think it comes down. I like the way you said it before, like level of professionalism, right? So if you start to see it as an epidemic or maybe even less than an epidemic, but it's clearly trending in that direction of people going too far with the dress code, right? Then, yeah, maybe it's worth an email out to the entire work location or office saying, hey, you know, we know we changed the dress code to go a little more casual, but there's still limits, right? So when we say jeans, we mean jeans. We don't mean... For example, blah, 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 or blah, right? I mean, you got to figure out, right? I I wouldn't get too specific with it because it'd be like, oh, I can't wear those four things, but these other five things are totally okay because they didn't put them in their list, right? You don't want to get that specific. But just a reminder that we are a professional office environment and we have a certain standard we want to meet and you're not meeting it and do a little bit better, right? Or if it's a specific individuals and it's just one or two people, yeah, talk to them. Go have a chat. Yeah. So I got one last question before we wrap this segment up. Sure. So if you have a workplace policy that allows jeans, does that include jeggings? <laughs> Our listeners want to know, Mark, are jeggings jeans? Are they made out of denim? 
I don't know. Are they? I don't know what they're. Is it like really thin, stretchy denim? How do you define denim? I mean, I know denim's cotton. You know, I would think if they're just pure like spandex, you're you're beyond jean territory. But you know, some of those really look like jeans. I think I would just I would leave that up to the individual employer to have to decide whether that that fits their dress. But that's like a separate category of attire, jeggings. Yeah, well, right. But if you're calling them something other than jeans, then they're not jeans, even if they're kind of maybe quasi jeans. What about jeans? I mean, the name, jeggings and jorts, they're just short for jean leggings and jean shorts. I've never heard jorts before. That's a new what, one. You've never me. heard jorts before? I mean, no, it's jean shorts. Jean shorts. Jean shorts. Yeah. Your Daisy Dukes, your cutoffs. You know, I think, I think maybe you would need to say like, they still need to be long or, or I don't know. I mean, you're starting to get into a bit of a, you know, but what, what, what I don't think employers should do is say like, yeah, you can have jeans, but they need to cover your ankles by five inches. You know, my kid's school had that in their dress code. This was Portland public schools. They decided to tell you exactly how far above your knee. Right, no, I mean, at that point, I mean, just say, if you don't want shorts, just say no shorts. Yeah. Jeans, no shorts. Right. Jeans, no shorts. Mark has issued a decree. You should all follow it. Unless it's really hot. This is really hot. Really hot. I meant the weather. Like Dennis. And on that note, it is time for us to take a quick break and figure out what we'll talk about next. We'll be back. Well, we've come to the point in the podcast that we'd love. It's what we call the middle segment. It's where we come up with little short segments of interest, things in the news, things that are exciting, usually kind of funny. I'm glad that for like episode 36, you finally described that for our listeners. You know, who for those clearly who didn't know already, hadn't figured out our format. This is <laughs> this is this is the middle segment. We also do some updates. Mark, do you have any updates for us? Yeah, I got a quick one. Yeah, remember. Who knows what episode this was? Yeah, a while ago. A while back, we uh, had a conversation about a woman who flipped off the president's motorcade. Yeah, I think we described her as a heroine for our times. I think maybe. And if we didn't, we should have. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that was how you characterized it, maybe. Um, and she got fired. Right. Unjustly and horrible. by her employer for doing for 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 doing that. And we talked a I, whole lot about free speech in the First Amendment, right? And, and if I recall, the employer was a government contractor and was worried right. about maybe potential on future contracts if they didn't take action, given that the woman was identified. Yeah, and we that's we were like private employers can always fire their employees. There's no free speech. But then there was this government contractor and we're like, oh, interesting. How does that play Right. Out? It's the fact that you have government contracts somehow bring the First Amendment to apply to your claim. Right. Um, we have at least a start of an answer. Yes. It doesn't. Oh, bummer. So uh, this was a couple of weeks ago now, but um, the judge in the case uh, – concluded that plaintiff's complaint failed to state a claim upon which relief may be based, but did give her leave to amend and try again. So I'm curious. I'm sure they will try again. And the case is still live because there was an unpaid severance claim in there, too, that was not thrown out. Oh. Um, so uh, interestingly, the plaintiff's lawyers uh, put out a statement 
that said that her case is about democracy and the grave threat facing all Americans if keeping our jobs relies on our unconditional silence and support of the government in power. We intend to review the court's concerns and decide how to proceed. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think that they've got a point there, but I'm not sure it's a great legal point in this particular case. And I just have a hard time seeing this being able to move forward, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, I'm not too worried about our plaintiff here who half the country would be more than willing to hire just for having done that. Oh, totally. I don't think she's going to be wanting for job offers. Right. So, um, you know, if we could hire here at the hostile work environment, we would have hired her. Right. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, we'll see if she tries to refile that claim or not. I expect she will, but I'm not quite sure what theory or how she's going to proceed with that. So interesting. Anyway, just a quick update. Another quick update. Um, a few episodes ago, we talked about an a an alleged HR professional <laughs> who was found to have faked her resume and her HR credentials. Um, we just learned that she got ten years in jail. For really little 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 thing called fraud, so wow, yeah, she's going to be a uh, guest of the state of Louisiana for the. That's right. Uh, that was a Louisiana case. I was about to say yeah. that, and then I wasn't sure. Okay, um, for the coming ten years, so okay, yeah. One of our Twitter followers reached out and let us know that. So thank you for that. Yeah, and another Twitter follower who tweets as high on HR. Oh yeah sent us she's awesome she is awesome we love her she sent us a really great story um what are our favorite things to talk about here at the hostile work environment well if i had to make a list i mean i actually have no idea what you're about to say but uh holiday parties have i think typically been our number one thing to talk about really that's i think we have more segments on holiday that, that parties than anything this else. this is actually not a holiday party story oh what okay. is it? It might come in a close second, but I was thinking porn. Oh, I don't think we have nearly as much porn as, as holiday uh, hijinks. We, we need on more this porn. Podcast. Then. Well, we need more sure. porn and we need more firefighters. And this case has both. Oh. So here's an <laughs> here's a here's an interesting thing that just happened um this last month. The puns are just swimming in my head right now, and I'm I'm not. Well, you you keep thinking, and when you come up with good ones, you no, no, I mean they're there. I just okay. Well, I'm just going to let it go. Use you can use your imagination. So, hoses and fire ladders. Stop it! <laughs> so, in Akron, Ohio, two firefighters were in a long-term relationship. Everybody knew it, but what they didn't know is that the two were coming into the station during off hours and shooting porn and then posting it online. Until apparently one of their co-workers was, you know, at home doing what he does at home. I'm assuming it's a he. That's that sexist of me. It could be anybody. But one of their co-workers was at home surfing <laughs> the web. The, you know, wow. probably typed, you know, a few words followed by firefighter into a search window. <laughs> and came up with their co-workers doing the deed at the fire station. Fire, um, fire pole. The two of them, stop it, have been placed on administrative leave. <laughs> and according to the fire chief, Clarence Tucker, he said, I know this department and this is not who we are. 
the job of an oh, actor. No. Oh, no, 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 it is not who we are. No, I think it is who you are. The job of an Don't actor. Don't deny who you are. The job of an Akron firefighter is about selfless service to the community, which I could think. How of, is that, that not? Yeah, free porn is one of the most. I mean, were they charging for it? But that I is actually unknown. Okay. <laughs> if they're you know just posting this up free of charge, then I would view that as selfless service to the community. He continues: the job requires running into burning buildings, rescuing trapped victims, and administering life-saving care to people in their darkest hour. Which I have to say, if you're watching their porn video, it may be your darkest hour. Um, The two firefighters involved was Arthur Dean, 49, and Deanne Eller, 42. Which, you know, as a 49-year-old, well, soon to be 49-year-old, I got a couple months left. But as an almost 49-year-old, I have to say, not too many 49-year-olds that should be in porn. That's, that's, we we do not judge on the basis of age on this podcast. Okay, thank you. But you know, I was I was surprised to find out <laughs> that the um, actors. Now, of course, they're firefighters, so they're probably keeping fit. Sure. Um, if you go well, if you go to our Twitter account, you can see the link, and there's actually photos of H W E podcast that Twitter account that Twitter account. There's photos of both of our actors. So you can see exactly what they look like. Um, they look like very average people. Okay. So good for them. Sure. Apparently the videos were shared widely on various porn websites, according to the Beacon Journal, including one clip in which a naked woman is exercising in a basement gym. Sure. At this time, they don't think it's the fire station gym, but they are looking into it. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. Is that, and again, these are public employees because it's the Akron Fire Department. Their now, First Amendment rights. I don't exactly. Know. I, mean, I, to, I, I don't think that's free speech. I'm just saying. I, you know, I I'm going to take a wild guess that's that these that folks is. are represented by a labor union. And a friend of mine happens to be a lawyer who represents firefighters and firefighters unions. I know he would take this case to a hearing. So I find it interesting. As far as we know, they've not yet been fired. They've just been placed on an administrative leave. Should people be shooting porn at work? Should they be? Yes, Mark. A question for you. Should people shoot porn at work? What if they work at a porn thing? <laughs> I don't know what you call it. A place that produces makes, and makes porn? Yeah. Then it's probably okay to do that at work. Well. And I mean, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. If you work for a pr- producer of porn. Yeah. But you are not the talent. Yeah, exactly. Is it okay then? Yeah. It's like, hey, everybody's gone home. I'm going to. Or everybody turn, else I'm is doing it here. camera. <laughs> I, I, I'm feeling left out. You know, I don't want to be just HR for the porn company. I want to be a star. I don't know. Maybe not advisable. I don't know. 
That's a great story, though. So there's our advice you, for you. You know what all. it reminds me Don't of? I was just going to say, work. it reminds me of, I, we had a listener story months ago yeah. about filming uh, a, a horror movie. You remember oh, that's that? That's right. At I do the, remember um, that. At the uh, storage facility at nighttime. Yeah. Reminds me of that. It does remind me of that. Great story. Cool. And on that cheery note, I think it is time for us to uh, take a deep breath. And dig up a listener story. Sound we, sound like a plan? We can do that. We can do that. We'll be right back. So before we hear a story, and I, Mark tells us that we have a doozy, want to do, uh, do something that we've neglected to do for a few episodes, and that is to thank our patrons. Yeah, that's a good idea. We love our patrons very much. Of course we do. And some of our patrons donate $10 or more per month, and that entitles them to have their name read on an episode every now and then on a completely random and infrequent basis. But today is one of those days. So we're going to do it. Do it. Okay, we got a bunch. That's good. Yeah, I like this. Who do you think's first? I don't know what order you're going. Uh, in. I'm going. Uh, I'm going back to the the very beginning of Patreon. Patreon, our very first ten dollar patron. Oh, um, um, oh, oh man, I've stumped. I'm Mark. really tired I, I did, this yeah. morning. Oh, it's uh, gonna kill me. I'll, I'll oh. relieve the suspense. Jason Gardner. Jason Gardner. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Also. Heidi Pancake, Heidi Pancake, Jordan George, Ryan Vesey, Ryan Vesey, yeah, Tammy I, Kravitz, I do better. Liz I, I, Large, Colleen Coco, Nicole Roberts, Nate Joma, Aaron Myers, Alyssa Hernandez, Aaron Steinhilber, and Corey and Tia Vance are all our ten dollar patrons. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. We love you a lot. But we love Sean McGuire and Laura Van Winkle four times as much <laughs> because they are our $40 patrons. Okay. And we had Sean McGuire as a guest. I've sent email to Laura and she's not responding. So, Laura, if you're listening, please reach out to us. Stories at HWEpodcast.com. We want to have you on an episode. Absolutely. So, please get in touch. And if others want to join that club... Oh, of and we who welcome our love. We welcome people. How do they do that to Dennis? join our giant cuddle puddle? They should go to www.patreon.com slash HWE. Everything you would need to know is there. And even if you just give us a measly buck, that gets you access to Patreon only content. That is posted about as often as we read everybody's name. Yeah. It's on a completely random ad hoc when we feel like it kind of basis, but it's out there. And what we've got about four episodes. I think we've got on, like four episodes. So far. Yeah. And usually it's it's a short to medium term kind of episode yeah. where it's kind of like a middle segment. It's where we reveal secrets. Yeah. Um, engage in idle gossip about celebrities, some non-celebrities. Pretty much anybody's fair games except for our patrons. We yes. don't we don't I- idly gossip about and, them. In we fact, just it's, gossip it's, about them. It's not idle. 
It, it, that's really kind of the focus of the Patreon campaign is that unless you cough up money, you're we, we may start talking about you. Yeah. So uh, a little negative reinforcement there. Not that we're engaging in extortion. No, 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 no. Um, why don't we hear a story? All right. I got a story. Um, for those of you who may be listening with kids or others who may be sensitive to no, one of those stories, words. there are words in this of a four letter variety and um, some sex talk. Uh Oh, so Dennis earmuffs Ear- earmuffs. I'm, I'm not listening to this one. All right. So um, our contributor starts out by saying, uh, first of all, I love your show. Oh, thank you. And then says, I have a story for you based on your penis tatted up story. Ah, we have inspired. Yes. Um, Usually we inspire nausea, sometimes fear, but this time creativity creativity and storytelling storytelling is better. Yeah. Um, I was an HR consultant for a major hospital system. I had two hospitals that I was responsible for. One was quite far from my home. And if I didn't leave by a certain time, I was destined to sit in traffic for multiple hours. I had recently done an investigation and assisted a manager in drafting a corrective action for someone in one of our imaging departments for calling people from another department his slaves and asking them if they were furry because, quote, he was a very hairy guy and wanted to know if they were, too. Um, why? (laughs) That's what I got. Um, All right. You can't you can't seek to kind of explain those sorts of things. I don't, I mean, sometimes, anyway, when Mr. Manager, let's call him Dan, called me to explain that another situation had involved, had occurred involving this employee, let's call him Steve. Uh, this was Harry an, Steve. Harry Steve. This was an evening where I was stuck at the hospital waiting for traffic to die down. So I asked Steve what happened now, and he explained that it had been reported that Steve had been talking in a sexual manner with the other staff about, quote, how he would get aroused if someone touched his chest. Oh. I asked Dan... Running their fingers through his hair, perhaps? His chest hair, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe. You're Uh, all welcome for that visual image. Yes, thank you. I asked Dan if Steve was working at the moment, and if he had... and Sorry, and if he wanted to just interview him together right now, and Dan was very happy to and said yes. So I got my stuff and headed to imaging. Fast forward to sitting in a room with two men and me, female. I introduced myself to Steve although we had telephonically met before, and asked him uh, if he knew why I was there to talk to him. Steve said that he thought he had an idea and went on to explain the following. Uh, He had overheard two peers talking about something he thought was inappropriate. So he went over to warn them that he had just gotten written up for saying similar things. Steve would not give me the names of these peers, and when he thought they were not understanding what he meant, he told them the following story. One day... On his way to work, he spilled on himself and had to wear an old T-shirt that he found in his back seat. The T-shirt was a size or two too small and proudly displayed his nipples. The same day, he was assigned to work in the emergency department. That day, a patient came in who was unresponsive. He was able to stimulate the patient by doing a sternum rub, and the patient was stabilized. There were several nursing students, or new nurses, I can't remember, in the area, and the physician on staff started a conversation about other ways to stimulate or check how responsive a patient is. Steve then was talking to his two peers, he would not tell me who again, 
about the fastest way to check if he was a, if he was responsive was to grab his nickel nipples, which he demonstrated oh my because God, they no. were quote hot wired to his cock. <laughs> God, this is what he tells HR. Oh yeah. Um. At this point, I stopped typing my notes and looked at the manager sitting across the table from me. His face was bright red, and he was staring at the floor. Because where else do you look at this point? I calmly asked Steve to repeat himself, and he explained again that his nipples were hot-wired to his cock while shaking his breasts up and down. Wait, 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 wait. shaking his breasts up and down? That's, I believe, having read this through once, that that will be explained a little bit further down. Man boobs? Man boobs. Okay. Um, I asked him what happened next, and he explained that he told his coworkers that they couldn't talk about stuff like that anymore, but didn't understand why someone would report him for that. I asked him if he thought that any part of his story struck him as being inappropriate or more information than someone may want to know. He said, no, it's just a fact. These babies are hot-wired straight to my cock. A stiff breeze, a stiff breeze can wake them all up, again, while shaking his breasts up and down. At this point, I asked Steve to stop touching himself as it was getting inappropriate for us in the room. Oh! He was shocked and explained that this was natural and he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just trying to make sure that they understood the rules. I I explained to Steve that this was our job, not his, to make sure staff knows the rules and explained that his coworkers found his behavior inappropriate. I went on to explain that I agreed that his story and behavior was inappropriate for the workplace and would need to discuss with Dan what actions would be taken next, especially since we had just reviewed our policies and expectations with him. Steve then said, quote, it's not his fault that his nipples are hot-wired to his cock, and he wished that he could change that. <laughs> well, it is in healthcare. Maybe there's a medical intervention. <laughs> right? Then. Things were getting silly at this point. Oh, so I told Steve that there was no uh, medical reason to use the word cock or to touch his nipples at work. Yeah, uh, two two very true statements. Right <laughs> I told him uh, he was not to tell the story at work again, and he was to stop touching himself moving forward. He was shocked and asked why he couldn't say cock. <laughs> I again explained that there was no medical reason to use that terminology, and he should not be discussing his cock with his coworkers. I ended- now, did she use that word? Because she had, there, there is no medical reason to be using, using that, that word. Well, I think she's just repeating back the terminology that was put in front of her. Okay, fair enough. She's 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 I, speaking I ended- his language. It's right. a good communication yes. tool. I, I ended I the meeting and said we would follow up with Steve. After Steve left, I asked Dan if he knew what Steve had said to his coworkers, or if he had, if he knew what Steve had said to his coworkers. He said he did, and his face turned bright red again. I explained to Dan how important it was to give me all the facts before a situation like this, and how hard it was to remain professional when talking when someone is talking like this. It took every ounce of control for me not to gasp, laugh, or just look shocked at Steve. Dan said he understood, and we discussed giving Steve a final warning versus firing him. Eventually, we gave him a final because we really didn't believe he totally understood what he did was wrong, though I'm still torn on this one. We drafted the write-up, and I left. Dan was tasked to issue the warning as soon as possible. Uh, He was a great employee after that, and we had no further issues. This is one of my favorites, and I cannot do it justice in writing. Just imagine a 45- or 50-year-old man who had previously lost weight, so he had saggy breasts. Oh, okay. That sits in front of his boss, a 40-year-old male, and his HR person, a 31-year-old female, and grabs his nipples, then shakes them up and down while saying, these babies are hot-wired to my cock. 
it was amazing. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. That was epic. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So I'll I'll admit, so I I didn't read this until right before we went on the air to record this. And Dennis doesn't hear any of this beforehand because I'm the one who gets the emails. But he saw me sitting here. I knew it was going to be good. Could not contain myself reading that the first time. Nope. Barely the second time. That was brilliant. If you have stories that in any way resemble the amount of awesomeness that this story has. um, Even if it's half as awesome it's still an awesome story we are running very low yeah i have a couple more wells running dry the well is running very dry i know i said this a few weeks ago when we recorded last time and have only gotten one or two more stories in so shameful people you got to step it up so we are looking for help on that front please send stories to stories at hwepodcast.com all right and uh if people want to follow us on uh, the social medias at HWE podcast on Twitter is that yes, that's Twitter. You can find us on the Facebooks. Yeah, which has been I've been saying this for months and I still haven't updated it. Yeah, it's lame. Um, but I think we've been getting more exposure, I think, and interaction on Twitter. So we've been spending more time there yeah. and, you know, also like, you know, new job. Well, and yeah, new job. Um cool anything else for the good of the order no it was fun to do this again it felt like we had gone it's too long so without long. doing it I, I i hope we weren't terribly rusty no i think this was a good episode um i hope we used enough four-letter words <laughs> i i was asked to um increase the amount of swearing and fart jokes so next episode who we're asked you have, that next episode we got to have some fart jokes who asked you that i'm not outing anybody okay that's not what I get a lot of in terms of our feedback. Really? No. What, you want less fart jokes? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm fine on the level of fart jokes. I mean, I think we had like a, a period there where we did, I think most of over 35 episodes, right? I think most of our fart jokes were like concentrated in like a four episode. like Yeah, that was chunk. a smelly month. It, it was a it was very smelly month. month. Um, but we'll think about revisiting the flatulence issues. Yeah. Oh, also, like, go on iTunes and review us. Oh, we haven't God, said that yeah, for a while, please, and please, please. it's been like almost a month since we got a last re- our last review on iTunes. And, yeah. Um, um, if you go on iTunes you know, and you know, give us a nice review, it helps other people find the podcast. Yeah, and which just, it generally makes us feel better about ourselves if you say nice things, which generally they have. Right. There was like one guy that gave us like one star, but didn't say didn't why. say anything. Well, like, come on, man. Yeah. You know? What you gonna do? Anyway, on that note, I think it is time for us to uh, land this baby. Thanks for listening. Um, drive carefully. And we'll see you next next week. Bye. Bye. Don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time. Maury's wigs don't come off. Even underwater. And remember... Maury's wigs are tested against hurricane winds. Don't forget about money. You can afford a Maury wig. Price to fit every budget. So call me now. And come in for a personalized fitting.